0: I have a nice uh, film clip for you today that I hope you enjoy later on in the sermon. First, let's pray. Gracious God, help us to open ourselves, to be open to your love, and in response to love you and to love our neighbor. Amen. Let us love one another, because love is from God. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. If we love one another, God lives in us. God is love. Those are just a few sound bites from our text today, which delivers a powerful message, does it not? That love originates, finds its source in God. It is not generated within us, no matter how hard we try. All we can do is receive it from love's source and pass it on. This is a very Lutheran idea, too. Priority for we Lutherans is always given to God's action first, not ours. We only participate in God's action. And as Jenny said, we can't necessarily see God, but we can see the results of God's action and God's love all over them. and in ourselves as well. The love that comes from God is called agape love. You ever heard that word, agape? A-G-A-P-E. It's a Greek word, agape love. It means self-sacrificing love for the sake of the other. And it finds its source in God. Let's look at uh, three different qualities of agape love that distinguish it, for the most part, from how our world defines love. This helps us remember who we are, what we're called to be. First, agape love is unconditional. Many people think that for God, To love me, I better prove my worth to God. I better love God first and then then God will love me or love me more or something like that. This would be conditional love. God would say, I will love you if you meet my conditions. And of course, this is the way the world works, as we know all too well. And we, We superimpose that on God as well. One of the powerful messages of 1 John is that God's love is not something we elicit from God with good behavior. In truth, God loves us first and consistently and for all time, regardless of what our response will be. Not that it doesn't matter to God what our response will be, but it doesn't alter the love. And so, love which comes from God is not quid pro quo. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. There's no deal going on here. True love is unconditional. God loves us no matter what. We as humans are not capable of loving this way, although we can experience it somewhat with the people that we love most. Comes close to an unconditional love sometimes for us. But only God's love for us can free us to participate in and practice such a love as pure, as unconditional. The second quality of agape love follows from its unconditional nature. It is for everyone. Even our enemies. I'll just lob that one out there because Jesus did. How someone has treated us in the past has nothing to do with whether we love them. But how is it possible, you may ask, to love someone who hates you, who has done you wrong, who wishes ill upon you? Well, consider this. Love comes from God's perspective, not our unique corner of the woods, and God's perspective is this, that every life matters, right? Especially the ones that get kicked around in this world. Yeah. Every life has value because God created that life and desires life, goodness, health, and wholeness for them. In our lives, we are called to echo this love. So you love someone not because you like them, you may not like them at all, or because they give you perks of some kind because there's something in it for you. You love them because they are a creature of God and are therefore, therefore, of great value. None of this means we don't hold others accountable to laws, to justice, and the like. You do, we do, but always undergirded, by love. Verses like these and others underscore, I think, how different this kind of love is than how the world defines love. Often, for we fallen human beings, there is a restrictive circle around love, is there not? Love is reserved for your kin and tribe, your people, however you define that, as we are commanded to love with a love that God first gave to us, we are called then to love those who are different from us, those who are not in our tribe or religion or whatever group is other than ours, for they are clearly our neighbor, as the parable of the Good Samaritan made abundantly clear. We currently live in a time, of course, when a, a sort of a tribal fear and, and, and even hatred has been inflamed, or many are, mur- uh, many are urging... Uh, even we Christians, to essentially regard the proverbial "other not with love, but rather primarily with suspicion and even contempt. When we love with a love that comes from God, then we care about individuals and families of all ethnicities and faiths. We seek their well-being and we encourage them. This is not a question for us (laughs) that is up for debate. As the Old Testament made clear and Jesus uh, later on, uh, we are blessed to be a blessing for whom? For all the families of the earth, to love the stranger and sojourner in our midst. Do we ask questions and vet people? Of course. Of course. So God's agape love is unconditional. It's for everyone. And third, it is benevolent action. Okay? You might say, well, that's fine. How how is that? Anything special? Here is where our world really distorts the meaning of love. For most people, and in our culture, and in Hollywood, and et cetera, um, they quickly accept the definition of love as a feeling, epitomized by romantic love. Now, don't get me wrong, the feeling of love for someone, whether romantic or the love of a friend or family member, is a gift from God, is a wonderful gift. God wants us to delight in those feelings that we have for those that we love. Amen. But here's the potential trap that can dumb down love. If love is a feeling that gives us pleasure of some kind, or if love is based on the benefits that I get from love, then love can easily be all about me. I love someone because of what they give me. Potentially, then, I may pay less attention to what that person needs or what's best for them because I'm more concerned what I get out of it. Then it's not really love. For instance, that, that person that I love may want to change and grow and may need to for their own sake, but I might not want that because it could affect how I experience them and what I get from them. Then I might try to control them so they don't grow and change. (laughs) Do you ever see that in relationships? It's not love, then. Agape love is not about the benefits for the one who loves. It may involve benefits, for sure. It does. But that's not primarily what it's about. It's about the benefits for who? the one who is loved there is no better example of this kind of love than in the classic story beauty and the beast anybody ever heard of that movie in this story just to recap the beast lives under a curse because he has acted cruelly to someone in need casting her aside disregarding her need because she was of no use to him she was just in the way But the curse the beast lives under affects more than him. It always does if we treat people that way. He has, in fact, put everyone in his household under this curse, a curse that has changed him from a a handsome prince to a hideous monster, while the household servants have become objects, a clock, a teapot, etc. When we fail to love, indeed, we put a curse on others, don't we? as we render them as objects who exist for some purpose according to my interests, rather than as subjects who are to be loved for their own sake. Well, as most of you already know quite well, Beauty and the Beast is a morality tale, and uh, the curse can be broken, but only if the beast can learn how to love, a love which must be reciprocated. The Beast imprisons a beauty named Belle and she eventually draws out his humanity and his ability to love. She too develops feelings for the Beast. Everyone in the household from uh, the Beast to Cogsworth, the clock to Miss Potts, the teapot, and more are all waiting for Belle to declare her love for Beast and vice versa. They are waiting anxiously too for they only have a small window of time to resolve this curse, or it will last forever. That brings us to a crucial moment in the story when Bell's father is in a crisis and needs Bell, and this sets up a most painful decision for the beast. It is a decision that establishes whether he truly loves or not in a way that we might say that God intended. You need to grab your hanky, you know, go ahead. And so it goes. If one truly loves another in the agape way, then one will not calculate what is in my best interest, but what is in my beloved's best interest. For Belle, it was to go to her father. For agape love is not about the benefits for the one who loves. It is about the benefits for the one who is loved. Sorry, I got things, uh, got things mixed up a little bit here. For the beast he was thinking of his own interest, it would be to, let, to keep Belle captive and not let her go so that she would declare her love to him. He let her go. He took a risk. But he also truly loved, did he not? And he was rewarded in the end. For it was not lost on Belle that the beast truly loved her when he let her go. And that kind of love has a way of changing people, doesn't it? She was, in the end, able to save him with her love, and the curse was broken. So the beast had been made whole by a love that was bigger than his self-interest. He was primarily interested in the well-being of his beloved. He freed her and was freed himself, freed to love. So agape love can include feeling and often does but it is not feeling because we can love even when we don't feel like it right that's because and this is the critical point love is action on the other's behalf it's something we do not merely something we feel agape love is an intentional commitment to benevolent action god became a human person and subjected himself to the worst horrors of human sin and brokenness all because he wanted to save us from the folly and the doom of our blind self-interest this is gift pure and simple because as our text reminds us God is love that's who God is and so as we ponder what this gift is we are invited into a new kind of freedom, a freedom where we no longer wonder about our status before God. We're saved by His love. We no longer worry about how to tip our lives toward our own interests. God will provide what we need. We don't have to manipulate that way. We are then free to love. Love God, love neighbor. We've been freed from ourselves. It is an incredible truth that the greatest power in the universe is love, for it is love in the end that is more powerful than hate, than despair, even death. And many of the shows that you might be watching on TV or novels that you read don't necessarily reiterate that. They're a little darker and more cynical. This is what we claim. So as you leave this place today, consider what it means for you to love those around you, near and far. How do you act in the best interests of your neighbor? As Luther urged us all to do in his interpretation of the Ten Commandments. Remember, the commandments are about proactive love, helping our neighbor, encouraging our neighbor, putting a charitable construction on his actions, speaking well of her. You are free to do this, And you are also commanded to do this because it is this very love from God that has given you life. Amen.